This is the Author Biz Podcast with Stephen Campbell, session number 26. Welcome to the Author Biz Podcast. I'm Stephen Campbell, and each week I'll bring you interviews, information, and insights focused on the business of being an author. You can find the episode show notes, links to everything mentioned in the show, and lots more information at theauthorbiz.com. Greetings and welcome to The Author Biz, where we focus on delivering actionable information to help you run your business as an author. Wherever you are, however you listen, thanks for spending some of your time with me today. Have you ever posted a book on Amazon and wondered whether or not you've chosen the best keywords and categories? Do you have a worry tickling at the back of your mind that you haven't done everything you can do to optimize your book for the Amazon platform? When you pick your keywords or key phrases, as today's guest calls them, have you researched them first, or are you just guessing? Today's episode is completely focused on optimizing your book's sales page for Amazon so that the Amazon algorithms will work for you, helping you to drive traffic to the book's sales page. Most people think of Amazon as the world's largest shopping website or the world's largest bookseller, but as authors, we need to think about Amazon differently. You should think of Amazon like what it is, which is a search engine. There's a search box at the top similar to Google, but the difference between Google and Amazon is that when people search for something on Google, they're looking for information. When people search on Amazon, they're looking for something to buy. That was today's guest, Emily Anine Moeller. She's an author, an environmental attorney, an actress, and now a coach who helps her clients optimize their books for Amazon. In this episode, we'll be laser-focused on two specific issues— The first is optimizing for Amazon's search engine so that Amazon can deliver traffic to your book's sales page. And second, we'll be focused on getting people to convert once they get to your sales page. I hope you enjoy this episode, which is not only packed with actionable information, we also have sound effects with sirens direct from Hollywood, so if you're listening in your car, don't be alarmed when you hear them. As always, everything mentioned in the interview will be linked up in the show notes, which you should definitely check out this week, because we're also linking to some free resources Emily is making available, including one that will help you to calculate the number of books you'll need to sell to become a category bestseller at Amazon. The show notes for this episode can be found at theauthorbiz.com slash optimize. If you'd like to have The Author Biz delivered to your digital doorstep and not miss an episode, just head on over to theauthorbiz.com and click the big green subscribe button in the upper right-hand corner of the site, and we'll take care of the rest. And if you want to go directly to iTunes and subscribe to The Author Biz there, just go to www.theauthorbiz.com slash iTunes. That link will take you directly to our show page on iTunes. And if you'd like to give us a nice review or a star rating, you can rest assured it will be appreciated. The iTunes algorithm works a lot like Amazon's, where reviews help to make the show easier to find for others who may be interested in the topics we cover. Now let's get on with the interview. My guest today is Emily Anine Moeller. She's an actress, an environmental attorney, and the Amazon bestselling author of Eat, Pray, HCG, Lose Weight Fast on the HCG Protocol and Keep It Off by Gaining Peace of Mind. And while I'd love to lose a few pounds after the holidays, the real reason she's joining us today is to educate us on the magical worlds of Amazon keywords and categories. Emily, welcome to the Author Biz. 
Thanks so much, Stephen. I'm really so proud to be here. Thank you for asking me. So you have a pretty varied background, an attorney, an author, an actress. How in heaven's name did you decide you were going to write a book? And why did you, after that, decide to focus on Amazon optimization? Well, uh, thanks for asking. Okay, so this is, um, yes, I I do a lot of things. I have a lot of hats uh, going on. I, you know, I'm one of those people who I, I didn't have this big burning, you know, lifelong bucket list wish to be, you know, a published author necessarily. I just, um, I had gone through a weight loss program and, um, I had an idea for a book, um, to explain it because it's kind of a complicated process and it is very misunderstood. And I kept getting questions from people who saw me lose the weight and wanted to know about it. And it wasn't something I could explain in an elevator speech. And so I just thought there ought to be a book, you know, there ought to be a book out there that I could just point to. (laughs) So this is like not a very fancy, (laughs) like lofty, you know, first uh, book for an author, but I just had the book idea and I'd been taking notes and sort of tracking sort of questions and sort of where I felt other books were failing on the issue. And finally, in 2013, I just thought, you know, I'm just going to slap this up on the internet somewhere and then I'll just be able to point to it and people can, but what happened was in sort of researching, um, how I could do it, I got obsessed with Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was like, it's become a game with me. Like I, I, you know, I, I became a total geek about it. I, uh, and I found that, you know, because I had two, two careers going on, um, I didn't want to blog. I didn't, I mean, I really didn't feel like I was going to have the chance to build a big author platform. I just wanted Amazon, you know, to do it for me. I just wanted to leverage Amazon. I just wanted to put it out there. You know, I'm not a weight loss guru per se. I'm just a normal person who has this information. And through just the process of trial and error and learning, um, I, put it up and it did really, you know, it just consistently sells on Amazon and I really haven't, I don't drive any traffic of my own to it. And it's not like it's making me millions of dollars or anything, but, um, it was just a more hands-off passive approach. And so, uh, and I'll tell you, I, the training I did, you know, when I got into this was really by internet marketers. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sort of like, kind of, I feel kind of creepy talking about it because I just, I don't know. Um, sometimes internet marketers get a bad reputation, but they know how to sell stuff online and they know how to leverage Amazon's algorithm. So it just kind of became a game for me and like, you know, really getting the keywords and the optimizing my book sales page on Amazon, um, and researching the right category. It just, it just became a thing for me. Um, so it was a really a fun experience and that's how I got started. Now, it, it's funny. When I first read the title to your book, and I'll read it again now, <laughs> Eat, Pray, HCG, Lose Weight Fast on the HCG Protocol and Keep It Off by Gaining Peace of Mind. That is okay. a keyword-rich title. Okay. So, yes, I, you know, it's a long title. Uh <laughs> you know, one of the things I teach, so I teach a local Kindle class. And one of the things I teach is the, the sub, the, the main title can, um, hold on. We've got some. Oh my gosh. I'm in Hollywood, Stephen. I'm sorry. (laughs) This, yeah. You're not on set, are you? This is not like um, another episode of Criminal Minds or something where the police are coming and you have to go do some acting. No, I'm not getting killed again on set because my mom told me she doesn't want me to uh, get killed as a, a role anymore uh, as a character. So, um, no. So, I got asked to teach on self-publishing, and so I came in and was teaching my 
So when I teach my Kindle class, I talk about in a, for the title, your, your main title can be catchy and grabby, and it might not make a ton of sense, but your subtitle can explain it. And the subtitle is where you usually want to put your, you usually can put your keywords. So for example, lose weight fast. I mean, that's really, I don't want to be the one, you know, banging the drum out there, lose weight fast. I don't think it's necessarily the best way to go, but I will tell you, that's what people want. That's what they're searching for. That's a huge keyword right there. So lose weight fast is in there. Yes. Um, yeah, there's, you know, it's, it is a long title and there's a couple things in there. I will tell you some, one thing I didn't do correct. I, you know, on my subtitle is I have HCG protocol in there. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to optimize it even more, I should have done HCG diet because HCG diet is something people are searching for. But technically speaking, I prefer HCG protocol because that's really what it is. Okay, you mentioned internet marketers, and I, I see this a lot, and, and your uneasiness with the idea of internet marketing, et cetera, et cetera, and I, I, I think we probably all have that sense of queasiness when we see the overt internet marketing that was really prevalent three or four years ago when people yeah. were just doing anything to sell anything, right? Um, basically. But you're absolutely right. There are a lot of things that we have all learned from, from those people, uh, things like keywords and email lists and, and how to follow up with people and just basic sales techniques that we all need as authors. And it's just basic business. They took it maybe a little bit too far, uh, but we can still learn from them. And, and having a keyword-rich title and having things like metadata. A lot of people don't know what metadata is. I've been in the technology business for 25 years. I don't think I know what metadata is. Um, I do know what keywords are. I, I think we all know what Amazon categories are, but we don't know how everything gets mixed together in this stew of publishing your books so that they show up in the right way. Um, so what should we talk about first? Should we talk about title optimization? Should we talk about keywords? Should we talk about categories? Well, let me, yeah, I think I know. Um, so I started kind of breaking down the topic into uh, two two main um, goals. We'll, we'll call them goals, traffic and conversion. Okay. Now, we all know about traffic and conversion. I, you know, I, it's not something I originally started using in my, you know, coaching or um, classes, but traffic is when we get into, you know, metadata and keywords, meaning we're using Amazon to drive traffic to your book sales page. Uh, generally speaking, that's what we're after. So, and then conversion is what they do when they get there. It's, it's, it's what you're, you know, what you're selling when you get there, your book uh, cover, your look inside feature, your sales copy in your book description. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of authors, you know, they're really good writers and they look, they take the term book description, literally, it is a <laughs> book description. And, and that is great. But I try to tell people like, this is 4,000 characters to sell your book. You know, it's so, you know, sometimes you don't want to get too salesy, you know, especially with fiction, you know, you do want to entice them with the story and, you know, describe, you know, give them a sense of what the book is about. But, um, you know, especially for nonfiction, you're, t you're giving us the promise of the book. You know, what, what is, what are the benefits of the book? We're already going to get from purchasing this, you know, you're giving the value of the book. So, you know, I always advocate if at all possible to use all 4,000 characters and, it's another opportunity to use keywords. So 
so we've got traffic and conversion. So when we talk about traffic, our you know number one tool to to get the Amazon traffic is keywords. And you know you asked about metadata, and it's not a term I really use. I mean, I people throw it around, interchange it with keywords. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a topic, I would just say, and and again, I'm not like a super you know internet marketer genius, you know that knows the technical term for that. But I will tell you. Um, you know, anything that gets Amazon spiders to, to, to find your book and put it on a list is sort of the, the topic of metadata. So let, let's talk for a minute then about, uh, I guess, traffic, because I don't, I don't think of term in, in, as Amazon in terms of a search engine, and I probably should because it's the biggest search engine in the world for books, but I don't think of it that way. I just think that I'm going in and I'm looking for a book. I, if I was looking for your book, I would put your name in, and hopefully your book would pop up, and it did. Um, if I'm looking for mine, I put my name, and, and if I spell it correctly, my book comes in. I, I don't tend to search for topics. Do people do that? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, when I, you're, you're absolutely correct. You should think of Amazon like what it is, which is a search engine. There's a search box at the top, similar to Google, but the difference between Google and Amazon is that when people search for something on Google, they're looking for information. When people search on Amazon, they're looking for something to buy. So, um, you know, it's really about buyers, um, behaviors. So, I mean, I, nine times out of 10, you know, pe- people are putting in it depending on what they're looking for. If they're looking for fiction, they might be looking for, you know, a particular author. So they'll put that author's name in, but a lot of times they will put a subject or, um, a how to in there. Like if someone's like thinking, so I have a student who's about to publish a sprouting book, like on how, you know, so if you're a beginning sprouter, you might type in how to sprout, you know, it's, it could be as mm-hmm. simple as that. So you want to kind of look at that. So, um, so yes, it's it is a search engine. It is an actual, you know, it's not it's not like a bookstore where you go and you know you you look around. You do looking around, but the way you do that is usually starts with a search term in that box, and that's where the keywords come in. And I and I've said that I don't search that way, but I I reflect back and I realized that I have. There was a period of time when I, I wanted to read a specific, very specific type of genre fiction. I wanted to read a mystery that was set in Key West. So I think I probably typed in Key West mystery, and I came up with a bunch of books by a guy who's now a friend of mine, Michael Haskins, who writes a Key West mystery series. And it, it's not those terms are not in his title, so those are in his description or in the keywords or I guess it must be keywords in the description, and that's how I found him. Right. So there are three places, three main places you want to put your top keywords, and it's going to be in your title. Inside your KDP book application, you get seven key phrases, and then in your book description. Those are the three main places. So yeah, so if you were typing that in, if you didn't see it anywhere in his um, title or his book description, then he he most likely had put it as a key phrase or keyword in his KDP book application. Okay. Well, we all know. Let's break it down. We all know what a title is. Mm-hmm. Um, you said seven key phrases. Uh, define a key phrase. Okay. Yeah. So this is where a lot of my you know student the people get kind of ca- caught up on the the term keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, inside your KDP book application, there's this place, there's a box where you can enter keywords. I call them key phrases because you can, there can be more than one word. Okay. 
in the phrase, and it's separated by a comma. So, um, and just a quick note, Amazon gives you seven of those, seven key phrases to choose, um, but you can use a ton of like different ones in your book description if you like. So you're not limited to seven, but you know, again, you really want to just focus on your top, you know, three or four in your book description because you're going to want to use them over and over again. So yeah, to answer your question, those key phrases are either words or multiples of words separated by a comma, then you get seven of them. Okay. So for example, in, in this case, in, in the case of the search that I did, one of the search for, or the keyword phrases may have been Key West Mystery. That's correct. Okay, so it wouldn't have had to have been Key as one word and West as another and Mystery as a third, taking up three of the seven words. That's correct. He could have just taken up one key phrase and it put, put it all together and that's how you found it. Okay, and then we wind up with the description as the next phase in in publishing our book. And you recommend using all 4,000 characters. Um, and, and obviously, we'll, we want to describe the book in a way that will appeal to people. How much attention should we pay to keywords within the description? Well, here's the, the deal. I, you know, if you, especially if you are in a competitive niche, if you don't use your top key words or phrases at least three to four times, it's really not doing you a heck of a lot of good to even put them just once in your um, book description. Um, but, you know, this is where I think writers have an advantage because you know how to weave words. So really take your time and weave in, fi- find a way to weave in those key words. Sometimes it is difficult into your book description. You know, you don't want to be cheesy and you don't want to sound repetitive. So it, it takes a little bit of time. It's just an area where you really want to do put a little elbow grease in um, and because you have 4,000 characters, hopefully you can space them out enough that it won't sound, you know, you know, won't be so obvious. And so for people who maybe have blogs or are used to publishing information on the Internet, um, if you're if you're being if you're publishing for SEO, you might use the keywords a couple times in the first paragraph to mm-hmm. make them really stand out. So this is basically the same thing then. It is, but it doesn't matter where in your book description. Okay. As far as the Amazon spiders are concerned, it doesn't matter where in the book description that they appear. You know, so it's as long as it's in that, you know, in that description area. And in terms of defining a keyword, or or let's say I'm an author, I'm publishing a new book, it's a mystery, and it takes place in Key West. Um I, I want to come up with, as keywords, things that other people might search on to find my book. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. So in this case, it would be Key West. It would be Mysteries. It might be, oh, I, I, I don't even know. And I, I think a lot of us get hung up there because it's easy to come up with the first couple of keywords. Um, where do we go from there? Once we get the, we find the obvious keywords, how do we figure out what the less obvious keyword should be? Yes, that's a good question. Um, And it takes some intuiting. I mean, you really, this is sort of an art and a science to it. So when you say you found a keyword, um, are you just saying that you thought of one or that you actually researched? No, no. uh, Let's say for this example that we just think of it. And let's just use a Key West mystery as, as an example. Um, Okay. And because I've searched on a Key West mystery, for me, that's, that's the best keyword, and no one would ever want to use any other, but 
uh, not everyone is me. So people would, would want to find my book in other ways. So okay. how do I intuit those uh, other ways that people might find my book? Well, the, so my, and I'm sure this is not news to a lot of people, but the, the easiest way to start this process is to pull up Amazon.com get inside that search box, preferably pull it to Kindle store. There's a drop down on the left in the search box. And so I'm just doing this right now as we're talking. Pull, mm-hmm. I'm just going to type in, if, if it's centered on Key West, if that's like a main part of what could be the attraction to the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're really intuiting what kind of reader. I mean, I think this is where fiction authors have to know their audience even better than nonfiction self-help authors. Mm-hmm really kind of know. So I'm, I just typed in Key West and let the cursor stand. And what happens is Amazon will do a drop down of potential keywords. Okay. And right now, so right now, if you, if you did it with me while we're you know, talking, Key West on my Amazon.com is coming up. Key West, Key West Mysteries is the second one. Key West Fiction, Key West Nocturnes Series, Key West Food Critic Mystery, Key West Travel Guide, Key West Food Critic, and on and on and on. Key West Books, um, so that tells me that people have searched for these exact key phrases, keywords. And, phrases. and that's interesting because when I look at that, I'm looking at it as an Amazon customer and I'm just going, oh, other people have searched on that. I don't think of that in terms of keywords, but you're saying that we should look at that, that drop down list as this is exactly what people are searching for. So if yours is anything close to this, then you want to be you want to be using these keywords. That's correct. I mean, this is a process of testing and vetting ideas for keywords. So this is the, this is really the, the first process is intuiting what they put, put in, start to type it in. You see, you know, as a customer, you see these different options, but it tells you as the author, you know, what other keywords you want to try to test and see if it works for your book. And then also, you know, you want to go to like Key West Mysteries and see what other books come up in that list Mm -hmm. and also kind of look at, you know, how much they're selling and if your book is really connected to that, to those books in general. But, and generally speaking, this, you know, there's a lot of complications of that, so I don't want to get into it. Mm -hmm. It's a little complicated, but it can be impacted by your previous browsing as a, as an Amazon um, customer. But generally speaking, the order with which they come up, um, the top to bottom, tends to be the order, you know, of prevalence for the particular keyword. Not all the time. So this is the process I start to go through to start collecting keywords and then sort of testing them out. And when you say test, what do you mean by that? Well, I I do niche research, sim- you know, in those... So I, I'd research like what books come up for those particular keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes if I pull up, you know, books and they're all just not selling very well, I may sort of bag that idea. But another way I test is we actually use software um, to sort of double check. It's it's niche and analysis software that we use to plug in that. So after I've done this particular intuition process, I'll put it into, um, it's called ebook niche explorer. It's been around for a while. Um, and 
it'll actually tell you, it'll, it'll pull up all the books that come up with that, that keyword attached. And it'll also kind of, it'll analyze the niche as far as uh, how much books are selling. And it can, can kind of give you an indication of um, how, how good that keyword is really is. Okay. So this is basic market research, but we're doing it for keywords. That's correct. And I will tell you that um, I don't always rely on ebook niche explorer. It's, it's just another way to analyze the niche. Um, if, if I really like a keyword and I feel like that's really the, the, the traffic that's going to want this particular book, I'll stick with it. Even if ebook niche explorer tells me, you know, there's not a, a ton of sales, like there might be a bunch of uh, you know, books that aren't selling very well that have populated that niche, but I don't really care because I, I, you know, I may have an instinct that it's still, it's still the traffic I want. Okay. Now I'm going to ask a question. I'm getting this a little bit out of order because I would typically ask this later in the interview. Okay. Are you married to these keywords or can you change them later if you find that they're not working? That is a really good question. Absolutely not. You are not married to keywords. Um, you really should be you know, kind of taking a look at what's going on, you know, double checking them. Uh, you know, I, I also, you know, really, I like to think outside of the box when it comes to keywords. If you really think of it like traffic, sometimes I keep my eyes out for trends on the internet, you know, that, you know, it could even be topical trends that are temporary, you know, like, um, Things that might relate to a book, you know, that, that let's say, um, you know, 2015. So all of a sudden it's like everyone's searching for 2015. I might throw 2015 in as okay. a temporary, you all know right. what I mean? Yes. As a temporary keyword. Okay. And then I'll go back to another one. But, you know, really you should kind of test them out and, and, and change them up. And it's pretty easy to change those up in your KDP account um, and in your book description. It's less easy to change in your subtitle um, or title, but... Yes, <laughs> that would be more challenging. <laughs> yes, yes. If 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 you've just got your book cover in Photoshop and you're doing it yourself, you can play with those. But yeah. Okay. So you you broke this down uh, in the beginning when we were talking into traffic and conversion. So we're still in traffic. Um, should we talk about categories now? Yeah. So categories. I put more. It's it is traffic, um, but it's really. Um, categories I look at as a, as a vehicle for ranking. So I, I try to optimize categories in terms of like visibility and, you know, getting sort of a, a better ranking on Amazon. It's just easier for people to see. And it's also better, you know, as a marketing tool. When we're putting our book up on, on Kindle or on Amazon, how much thought should we put into the categories and, and how should we evaluate which categories we should use? Well, I think, you know, I think you should put a lot of thought into your categories. I mean, you only get to choose two, but like we said, you know, sometimes you'll be put into more. You, I find that people tend to search more they won't necessarily drill down into categories. So when, when a, when a consumer goes onto Amazon, uh, and they're looking for Kindle books, they might, uh, go through the browse categories a little bit, but, um, your book might not necessarily be found because someone looked in a category, especially if it's a really competitive category and they're looking at the bestseller list. Mm -hmm. But what, what I would say is, 
you know, try what I teach and what I do is try to find a category that fits your book, um, in any way. I mean, you should never pick a category that does not fit your book. It's, it's, I just don't, I mean, you shouldn't do it. And then also that might be easier for you to rank in and stay ranked in. Um, especially in fiction, fiction, uh, categories are really, really competitive. So, you know, I try to find, especially for a book launch, why not when you're driving all this traffic there, find a a category that you can rank better in, um, on your launch or for future purposes than one that's harder to rank in that you might never rank in. I mean, if I ever work with a romance, uh, author, I hard, I never, really guarantee them a bestseller ranking because it's so competitive. I mean, it's really competitive in those categories. And I will tell you something that's happening now that I, I really disagree with. Um, and I think Amazon, Amazon shouldn't allow this, but because it's so difficult to rank in the bestseller categories for fiction, um, romance, those fiction, uh, books are now, they're putting them in, the authors or the publishers or whoever are putting them in nonfiction relationship categories and ranking them oh, first. You're kidding. Yes, it is. So I had a client who, you know, wrote a nonfiction relationship book and, you know, I was researching, you know, he wanted to go to number one and, um, I was researching, you know, how much, how much traffic we had to send and, and, um, sales, uh, on his launch, you know, to get there. And, um, one day it was, you know, just normal nonfiction at the one, two, and three spots. The next thing I know, a blatantly fiction uh, romance novel was at number one. And, you know, it probably, I don't know, it was like 200 or maybe it was like 400 overall paid ranking. Mm-hmm. In and I was like, this is ridiculous. I mean, it's a clearly a nonfiction category. You shouldn't be able to put fiction there, but they're doing that because they just can't rank. It's just easier to rank in, in the nonfiction, some of the nonfiction categories. So I, I mean, you apparently Amazon is allowing you to do it, but if I was a fiction author, I don't think I want to go bragging that I'm number one in, you know, (laughs) uh, you know, divorce relationships or, you know, so (laughs) I don't want to say anything negative or anything, but it's, it is something I'm seeing. You might run across it. If you, if you do any searches on that, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's going to happen more and more. Okay. You mentioned doing some research for your clients to figure out how many books they'd have to sell to rank number one. How do you, how do you go through that process? How would I, if, if I didn't know who you were, how would I figure out how many books I needed to sell to rank number one in a given category? Okay. Well, um, I know just by eyeballing it. Um, so I, you can go to any book sales page. So let's say you find a the number one book and you scroll down to the middle of the page where it says product details mm-hmm. and it's the publisher or whatever. And there's an Amazon bestsellers rank. Um, and then underneath that, there'll be the bestseller rank in particular categories right underneath that. So I compare the overall bestseller rank of, let's say whatever it is, a hundred thousand or 45,000. And then I look to see what, um, where it's ranked in a a bestseller category. And then I can kind of gauge from there, you know, how hard or easy the particular category is. Okay. All right. And there are, I mean, I'm sure there's, I mean, in, so my business partner and I, we put together a training based on what I, you know, teach an online training. And, you know, we have sort of a PDF uh, of, you can't get actual sales numbers from Amazon, but you can, you can kind of ballpark guess how many, um, that book is selling in a particular, you know, 24 hour period, 
um, based on, you know, we have kind of a little cheat sheet to Mm -hmm. kind of gauge that. So you kind of can, can gauge it from there and you just, it's just a matter of looking at each, you know, book that's at the top or wherever you want to rank in the category. You know, sometimes if you just want to crack a category, you go down to the number 100 because a bestseller is defined by hundred in, in a category and you go to the number 100 book and you see how, based on the overall sales rank, how many you think that particular book is selling per day. Oh, that's interesting and clever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, you know, kind of what I do. I, it's really a game. I mean, and it changes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it does change, like I said, on a 24 hour basis and sometimes on an hourly. So I think that does a pretty thorough job of covering the topic of generating traffic to a book sales page from within Amazon. And this is probably a good time to let listeners know that you're making the cheat sheet you just mentioned available through a link on our show notes page, which is theauthorbiz.com slash optimize. Now, before we shift our focus to conversions, you've mentioned uh, the work that you do a couple times and your partner. Let's talk about that for a minute. You, you okay. work w- uh, through a website called kendallcoachpro.com, kendallcoachpro.com, and your partner's name is Jared Smith. Do I have all that right? That's correct. Yes. And what do you do? I have coached authors, um, you know, one-on-one and consulted with them to help them, you know, get visibility on Amazon and become bestsellers. And, um, so I optimize their keywords and then we, I, as I said, I teach locally and through, uh, teaching my system locally, we put together an online training that, um, is the content of that class. It just takes you step-by-step through our system. It goes through how to find your keywords, how to, you know, select your title, how to basically do everything you need to publish on Kindle, um, and, you know, rank your book as a bestseller. So that's primarily what we do. We, we, you know, our website is new. We've just been word of mouth up until now. So Mm -hmm. that's how uh, I found out about you was from a very satisfied client. Who's a a friend of mine said, you need to talk to to these people because they got me a number one Amazon ranking. Yeah, that's so great. So I've, yeah, I've kind of just, we've just been under the radar. I just, I kind of fell into, you know, when I became a bestseller, other authors were like, how did you do that? And Mm -hmm. I just sort of, you know, I'm really, my goal is to to help authors get published and be excited about their work and get their work out there and Amazon's a great way to do that so i so Jared and I are basically professed Kindle geeks <laughs> and we you know help other authors do that either through our training or if if they need one-on-one consulting or coaching okay cool and so people can find out about you and that at kendallcoachpro.com, and I think you're also on Facebook with the same name, basically. Yes, yes. Okay. If you want to see some of our, you know, past clients and students, um, they're all up on, on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash kindlecoachpro. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, now let's move on to conversions. Okay. So that's, we've, we've built traffic. We've sent the traffic through the Amazon search engine. They've landed on our book page. Now we've got to convince them to click that buy button. Yes, this is fun. You know, I, at the beginning of my class, I usually ask people, you know, raise your hand if you bought something on Amazon and everyone's raised their hand uh, because everyone's purchased something on Amazon. Amazon knows buyer's behavior. So really it's about optimizing your book sales page because they set you up the best way they can to to sell your book. The more they sell of your book, the more money they make. So um, the anatomy of a great converting book sales page is, and everyone knows this already, but, um, is a great eye catching book cover. And on Amazon, 
a great book cover is different than a great book cover in print. Um, so there's that. There's the book description, which is not a book description. It is a it is sales copy. It's where you get to tell people about your book and sell it and, and you know, have your keywords in there. Um, and then it is also your look inside feature. Um, this is where uh, consumers kick the tires of your book. I mean, how many books do you think you've purchased without looking inside first? None. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, so really, and you know, I, you want to make sure that, you know, a lot of people get precious with, you know, the beginning of their book and they, you know, it's a great place to put dedication. You have to have your copy. I mean, certain things you have to have there, mm-hmm. but, um, you get 10%. It's automatic in Kindle. It's different for the print side create space, but you get the first 10% to show people your book and you have to sell them in that first 10%. And I'm going to go on a little rant here, if you don't mind. Uh I can't Uh tell you the number of books that I've downloaded the sample for, and I get to 10%. And you're talking about Precious with the dedication. There is so much preamble to the book that you get to essentially, here's the valuable information I'm going to tell you, and that's it. You know, buy the book now. So you've you've essentially, the sample is, is of zero value for someone who might want to buy the book, and it's infuriating. Yes. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. I'm glad you said it, not me, because I, I'm the same way too. And I feel bad because I don't want to tell my students or authors, you know, don't thank people, you know, but, but I, you know, I, I put my dedication in my author central page. I thanked everybody and, you know, I had a lot of people to thank. And I, so I, you know, and it really, it's tricky because you just have with, it's really tricky with shorter books because you have to go, okay, so I have 29 pages, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, it's 30 pages. So that means I get three pages to sell people on this book. You know, what am I going to put in here? And, you know, some stuff you want to, you could reserve for, uh, you know, the end of the book or something. But, you know, the, the main things are you have to have, if you have a nonfiction book especially, you have to have a killer table of contents. Like they have to see the value of the book in that table of contents. They have to look at that. I mean, how many times have you looked at like, let's say you were looking for a piece of information, like how to do something, mm-hmm. looked at a table of contents and you felt like I look at all the stuff I'm getting. Like, I know what I'm, I'm going to get some great stuff in here. I mean, I try to make, the other thing is I really try to entice the reader with great headings in that table of contents. So, you know, some of my headings are really in my eat, pray, HCG book are really colloquial, you know, like, oops, I cheated or, you know, (laughs) so, so you really gotta, you know, and I'm, I'm writing a book right now on, you know, our system. And, you know, one of the things I, and, you know, I'm going to title one of the chapters and it's what I say in my class, I talk about money balling your book. And that's when you research your keywords, you're really, you know, like the movie, you're moneyballing your book. You're, you know, you're changing the way you're looking at things. You're not just finding some, you know, Billy Bean or whatever. You know, did you see the movie? Oh, Moneyball? I saw the movie. I read the book. Um, I I love. I'm a big baseball fan. I love analytics. I I know what you're talking about. Uh, if people aren't baseball fans, <laughs> they may not. Um, but it's it's basically the idea of just digging so deeply into the details and the numbers for baseball, and in, in, in our case, what we're talking about here, understanding the keywords and the value of a given keyword and the way everything ranks and how it all works together, and then making a decision based on that as opposed to, 
oh, I think this keyword would be better. Absolutely. Right. Right. You know, like some authors just think, oh, I've got seven spaces. I'm going to throw some keywords. Like I'm just going to spitball, you know, and that's just, you know, I think, you know, for a while there, you know, publishers were just doing that because that's what's always been done. You know, it's always been done that way. Um, I know, I know we're going all over the place here, but I just feel like there's some information I just want to make sure I'm clear about. One of the ideas that you can use, it just reminded me when we talked about Moneyball. So Mm -hmm. Moneyball is an example of me taking a phrase, you know, from a famous movie and like grabbing you with it. So you kind of, you understood the concept. Like you, if you saw the movie, I didn't read the book, you know, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan by default because my boyfriend is like super into baseball. He knows everything about it. So, Mm -hmm. um, but you know, the idea is to take data, to actually take stats and data and let that rule instead of like the idea of doing it, how the old way, you know, of recruiting. So, um, so anyway, my, my example of the heading is, you know, moneyball your book, you know, by researching your keywords. So, so that's the sort of idea of like spicing up your table of contents. I also, for fiction authors, people resist this and that's fine. It's a choice. You don't have to listen to me, but why not in a fiction book, instead of just have chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, (laughs) um, if you can title your chapters to entice the reader and have a table of contents, I say, go for it. Um, it's not normal to have a table of contents for a fiction book, but you know, if you like that idea and you feel like it fits, why not do that? So they can kind of see and get enticed by your table of contents, you know, cause a lot of times a fiction book, um, you know, the, the intro, your first 10% could be just, you know, getting into the story. And that's great. If you have a whiz bang, you know, in, you know, introduction to the, your story and it gets cut off right where they just really want to keep reading. That's really what you should be thinking about. I mean, I'm not a fiction. I mean, I just started doing some fiction, but I am not a fiction writer. So I can't speak to this except for the fact that you're really, when you write fiction, you're really selling your story the whole entire time. So you should know how to sell it in the beginning anyway, as a marketing. I mean, marketing is just about, it's, it's, you're already a writer. You're already kind of selling your story. It's just an extension of that. And as a reader, I, I can say that I have a number of times purchased a book just based on the table of contents. Uh, and with fiction, sometimes you lose your place and you go back to the table of contents. And if it's chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, you have no idea where you were. But if there are chapter headings, I think it makes sense. That's a good point. I never thought about it that way. If you lose your spot, you. Yeah, if you have a cat, the cat knocks the book off. Um, or you just um, you, you look something up and it's on chapter one and all of a sudden you can't go right back to where you were before in your Kindle. It's, it's a problem. So your cat, is your cat on your Kindle every once in a while? Or? Actually, she is, yes. <laughs> There's a book right there. She likes, she likes to read with me. How about a kid's book on, yeah, okay. So, uh, so I feel like I took you way off the topic here. I'm not sure where we were, but. Um. Well, we're still, we're still in conversions. We talked a little bit about covers and the importance of covers. And you mentioned that obviously uh, the value of a cover is different in a bookstore than on, um, than on an Amazon webpage, but it might not be obvious to everyone. So let's okay. ex- expound on that a little, or expand on that a little bit, if you would. 
Yes, absolutely. So um, you could have a, a gorgeous art on a on a print book that you a person can pull out on the bookshelves, and it's just intricate and it has a lot of detail. Um, but it might not fly so well on Amazon because uh, Amazon browsers are going through at practically the speed of light, and <laughs> if you don't, um, number one, if they cannot read your main title in that two postage stamp size. You're, you may have already lost a sale. And it, it actually does translate to traffic as well because when, when a person puts in a keyword or a key phrase and they get a list of books, what's to the left of each um, book title? It is the book um, cover. Mm-hmm. And so you're also, you're, the traffic to the book page won't happen if that book cover in that tiny, you know, two postage stamp size doesn't grab you. And especially if they can't read the title they've just moved on, you know, you've, you've lost the traffic and, and, you know, even if they get to your, if they get to your book sales page, you know, the, obviously, I mean, um, a lot of people talk about this, like the credibility of a nice, um, a book cover. It really, I talk about the three C's, um, color clarity and, and I'm totally blanking on the third one, but, um, (laughs) contrast, sorry, color clarity and contrast. Um, you really, you want to think about your genre and what colors, you know, tend to work or sell well in your genre, you want to think about clarity. Like, so, um, it's, you know, the, the words are appearing clearly on there. And then contrast really is the contrast between some of the images. If you do have an image on your cover, you know, it should be, you should be able to tell what it is, you know, in a small space. So that's why it's very specific to the Amazon sales page. Like the cover, you know, is very specific. It's, I think you made a really good point about the idea of your cover needing to fit with other covers in your genre. I, there are, I'm sure we've all ha- had this situation happen where you're searching for a book. Let, let's use the Key West mystery thing again. And it comes up with six books. Five of them have palm trees on the cover. One of them has a tank. Um, I'm probably not going to, <laughs> probably not going to <laughs> click on the one that has the tank. Yeah, that's true. Unless you're like a tank expert in Florida. I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah, it's an yeah. absurd example. But I see that over and over and over again, where you see the books that fit your mental idea of what the cover of that, of what you're looking for should look like. And it's amazing the number of times the covers don't fit that mental picture. Absolutely right. And there's nothing wrong with, I mean, you kind of, you may want to do something that sets you apart from the other covers, but I say, you know, copy the concept, but just do it better. You know, if, if every, you know, I'm about ready to help uh, someone publish a Garcinia book and there's lots of them out there, you know, we're still going to put a Garcinia on there, but let's just make it look better. Like, let's just, you know, you, they, you still have to fit in with, within the concept, um, but, you know, do it in a great way. Okay. One last question for you, and this is the tricky one. What should I have asked you about that I didn't ask? Well, I know one tip that I haven't given that is kind of outside of the norm. Let's hear Um, it. Okay. So especially with fiction, I believe in, especially when you're, because you first started talking, when we were talking about keywords, you're like, well, I know the first couple keywords I like. What about like the the next ones? Or like I get to a certain point, there's no one. I like the idea of piggybacking on other like famous authors and books. Okay. Now what that means is if your book is very similar to another 
um, book and your genre. And, and it really is like, if you really believe that your reader will love, you know, if they loved, you know, um, hunger games or whatever, they'll love your book. Then, um, my recommendation is to consider using hunger games and, or the famous author that you're similar to in your keywords. Now I have to tell you, it is against KDP policies to put those keywords in your KDP application. This is something some people don't know. So you really shouldn't put them there because you're not supposed to, but it, the, your book description is fair game. So that's just one tip I kind of give people, especially in fiction, when you're tr- you, you kind of want to piggyback off of like what, you know, a famous book that, so that you can get a little more visibility. Does that make sense? It does. So what you're saying is that we can't, let, let's say, for example, that I want to say that my book, if you like Lee Child, you'll love anything that I write. So right. I, I could not put Lee Child or the title of one of Lee Child's books in as a key phrase, but I could put that sentence in the in my book description. Uh, that's correct. Yes. Okay, good. That's a good, yeah. that's a good tip. Okay, what else did I not ask you that I should have asked? Okay, well, we, we were talking about traffic and conversions, and um, I just want to talk about another terminology, which is a niche or a niche, um, and something my, you know, business partner, Jared Smith, knows how to do well, and it, we've learned is that if you find a niche that um, you feel like is not, uh, that number one, you're interested in, you, you like, but it, it's not, uh, you find some books that are not necessarily the highest quality, you can really get in and focus on that niche. Um, for example, he, he loves Minecraft, and so he started a, a line of Minecraft books, and he just, you know, he was able to put them in production and <clears throat> put each one out and, um, you know, cross-promote them, and he's sort of dominating that niche. And it might not start off to look like, you know, this is a big money. I mean, weight loss is like a huge pond. Right. So that's right. not like a niche, but like if you can find a small niche, you know, we were kind of joking, um, you know, I found a book the other day that violated every rule of what I just described in this entire podcast. Like the book, the cover was terrible, but for whatever reason, the information that that book had, it was like the only book in that niche and everybody wanted it. So it was really, it's ranking was like, I don't know, a thousand or something consistently. And I, it was boggling my mind, but when you find those niches and you know something about it, just like kind of target those niche. I like to say niche instead of niche, but target that niche and see, you know, really start to dominate it. And it's, it's a really great way to, you know, uh, advance your royalties and and become successful. Well, Emily Anine Moeller, thank you very much for your time today. This has been very educational. I've really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. I, I, thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's, it's been great. And you have a great podcast. I'm so glad you're out there doing this. Thanks for listening to the AuthorBiz podcast at www.theauthorbiz.com. If you'd like to find out more about the show or anything we mentioned, just check out the website. You can also subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. If you have comments or suggestions, please leave them at the site, or you can email me at authorbiz at gmail.com. Please join us again next week for another informative episode.